just to give a little background, I've known Kim for 14, 13, 14 years. Absolutely. Um, but we recently reconnected after some um, time of not connecting. But man, when I went to got in the mortgage business, I came in with a great company called Home Bank Mortgage Corporation. And Kim was the, I guess, what would you call it? A teacher, a coach, instructor? I would say professor. Professor. <laughs> the professor mortgage of mortgage. <laughs> All right, welcome to another episode of the Context of Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, always here with the amazing Mr. John Jones, and we have an awesome special guest today. We're bringing on the Vice President of Sales from Zenix, Mr. Kim Sarge Harrington. Dude, thanks for joining us. Brian and John, it's a pleasure. How are you guys doing? Doing great. We're doing great. Hey, man, it feels like we've done this before. Well, it's always going to feel like that when you're with good people. <laughs> so uh the joke there is we've recorded this once before but we forgot to record inside <laughs> of it so <laughs> my fault but um hey listen so uh this is gonna this is a, a cool podcast we've already done this like i said once before so we kind of know what we're gonna get out of it dry run, yeah. but you know what we really brought kim on for was um you know z- you know we're seeing the market right now um have an influx of rookie loan originators, right? A lot of folks yep. are wanting to get into um, the business. You know, I think the average age of an LO right now is like somebody said somewhere in the 50s. Um, but a lot of these new folks who are coming in are younger, right? And so we're looking for solutions like how do we get these new folks in the industry into production? And just to give a little background, I've known Kim for 14, 13, 14 years. Absolutely. Um, but we recently reconnected after some um, time of not connecting. But man, when I went to got in the mortgage business, I came in with a great company called Home Bank Mortgage Corporation. And Kim was the, I guess, what would you call it? A teacher, a coach, instructor? I would say professor. Professor. <laughs> the professor mortgage of mortgage. <laughs> and, um, Home Bank's model was they bring in rookies who've had success in other walks and yep. careers of life and uh, taught them the business and then put them on the street and we went out. Yeah, they and, did a great job. And, and got I mean, some deals. Yeah. So, Kim, man, you want to give us a little bit of background? Like I can see from behind you, you've served our great country. Thank you for that. But show us a little bit of background about you and kind of what you're doing now and, and what you guys are doing there at Zenix. Sure thing. And, and to your point, by the way, we, when we look for um, people to, to join the best kept secret in the world, which is the mortgage industry, None of us should focus on uh, very specific details about something to do with the mortgage industry, but look for quality people that can learn the business and add value to our companies like Van Dyke Mortgage. That's what it's all about. So my background is simple. Um, uh, spent six years in the United States Marine Corps. I was a California Highway Patrol officer for 16 years, uh, retired after an injury. So basically I had two jobs in my entire life. So what does someone like that do? You go into sales, right? <laughs> so I, I had a, uh, a friend of mine that sold me a house in San Diego and I'm gonna be nice and say that this guy was not the sharpest tool in the shed. And however, he was wearing a thousand dollar suit and driving an $80,000 car. So I said, I can do that. Yes. So I got, got <laughs> a real estate you. license. I did that for three years. And then as fate would have it, I had two major deals going on at the same time. And we all know, by the way, if you're in commission sales, do not spend your money before you get it. 
I did not eat my own dog food and I spent my money before I got it. And those two deals fell through and timing is everything. So uh, much like you, I got recruited to a phenomenal company in the Southeast called Home Bank Mortgage. And that's how I got into business. And that was in uh, 2003. Amazing training, nine full weeks of training. If you can imagine that in the mortgage industry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. with quizzes homework assignments, uh, calculating, converting fractions into decimals. Who does that? We got technology for that now, but yeah. we understood the why behind it. Cool, yeah. And that's what it's all about. So, and yeah. that's, that's my path. And, and of course I've done a few things since then and went through the, the mortgage crisis in 2007, 2008, a little bit different uh, the past couple of years, but this year is going to be a little different as well. Yeah. I think, you know, the interesting thing about that was the vetting process was pretty thorough. You know, so we, we did some disk profile and some other profiles. And then you also came in and did a math test, um, which, you know, at the time, like, I mean, the last time I had done fractions was, I don't know, the third grade. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was the vetting process. And so my point is, is like, if you do a really great job vetting and you find people that have the core skill set and skills and the talent right? um, to do this. You can teach them how to do it. Yeah, um, you know, Kim mentions the classroom training. We spent um, by the time I got to, got to meet Kim, I think it was six weeks. We did we did three weeks of classroom training in Atlanta. Came home, did field study for two weeks, and then back for another three weeks. Like, dude, first of all, I want you to imagine that's some boot camp, right? I want there. you to imagine adults at basically sleepaway camp for six weeks. There was a reason that we were highly disciplined starting at 7 a.m. Because if we didn't, who knows, like people would have not come to work. But, dude, we were full suited out. Shirts, ties, jackets every single day, quizzes every single day. Um, By the way, I always like, you know, I was joking around this. I think in in my class, I don't know, Kim, what was like the average class at Home Bank? 50, 60 students, maybe more? Your class was 75, by the way. My class was 75. I finished like next to last. <laughs> I, I do think I was definitely in the bottom third in terms of, you know, my graduating class. Shout out to Brian Lovell. Yo, lone wolf standing, by the way. Out of 75 people, I think I'm the only one still in the business. That's right. So, so hey, Kim, so, you know, obviously you guys are seeing it too. We're seeing an influx of new folks get into the business. Let me, I mean, let me go ahead and share some stats right, real quick. Uh, you know, I mean, it, last year in 2021, we, we had an, an uptick of 22 percent increase in loan originators on the street. Many of those who just, you know, decided to get licensed, maybe due to COVID, um, the opportunities that exist, um, and and get into this business, um, maybe with little to no training, like kind of the the old school, um, you you know, as uh, when I originated, I mean, it was there's your desk, you know, go after it. And um, I I think it's super important if you're a new loan officer to understand like the average LO or or ops person is, is my age, our age, in the early mid 50s um so the opportunity for Mm -hmm. somebody new younger we need an influx of younger talented people Mm -hmm. to join our industry and they need to be trained like home bank used to do 20 years ago so i think this outlet putting somebody through this type of training is going to set them up for success right out of the gate rather than we see i think one out of ten people that stay licensed after two years wow similar to real estate so i mean if you are new in this business and maybe you've already started and and you are in the business struggling a little bit it's never too late to go back and maybe take some some yeah. training like yeah. the old dog new tricks you know yeah. type of thing kim what do you think the primary challenge is today for somebody getting into our business 
Well, I think the primary challenge is, first of all, you have to, you have to identify a quality company, right? So you, you have Van Dyke Mortgage. You guys have a stellar reputation. You are customer focused. And what I mean by customer focused uh, is that you truly care about the end user, the people that are going to use your products and services. And, and for everybody listening to this in the mortgage industry, and there's some other ones like this, but we're kind of unique in the fact that what we offer people is not tangible. They yeah. can't touch it. They can't feel it. They're not going to some open house to see how big the walk-in closet is in the master bedroom. So truly, if you think about it, what you're offering them is air and a promise. <laughs> so they have to buy, for lack of a better term, they have to buy you 100%. And people can smell phony from a mile away. And the, the true differentiators is the professionalism and how that organization views the customers. And it, it truly is about the customer, whether you're a first-time buyer, a seasoned investor, so I would say to answer your question, the biggest challenge for someone getting in the mortgage industry is identifying a quality company that truly believes in uh, investing in their people, helping them grow, helping them reach their full potential, and not just at work in a professional environment, but also in their personal life. Mm -hmm. So that part is the key. The second part is that the only way that someone can fail in this business is due to lack of effort. Wow. So they personally have to have the drive to say, I want to have the appetite for learning. I want to be a true professional and I want to be trained uh, that way. I don't want someone to say, here's a rate sheet, go get them tiger. So all yeah, those yeah. things are factors in that. Yeah, Kim, I, through, yeah. yeah I, I think one of the things I see, and, and you said it much more eloquently, is like, you got to one, I got to figure out how to do loans while I'm also trying to figure out where to go get them. And I'm doing that at the same time. You know, I think, you know, if we look at the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see an increasing rate environment. I would say even if you've been in the business for two years, this is the first time you've had to sell in an increasing rate environment in two years. And that speaks to Kim's point on professionalism. Uh, because if you're not a pro, if you're not continually trying to learn, if you're not trying to figure out what's going on in the market, and how are you going to be yeah. best suited to add value to not just your referral partners, but also to the borrowers that you're helping out as well, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. So do you have any idea like what the average production of a first year loan originator is? Yeah, I would say the, the on average, I'd say the average for the average person, then this is not the true professional. Self-generating leads too. Let's forget about the call center, yeah. you know, folks. That's right. So there, there's a there's different varieties. You you know you have consumer direct, which people are, are typically in in call centers and they're taking inbound phone calls and they're you know someone else is generating the leads for them. And to your point about even the refi environment right now, it's just you know. So, but the average for the average person is probably. $4 million in volume a year. In their first year. First year, first year in a business. Yeah. yeah. So with, with that in mind, like how, do, how important do you think, you know, you mentioned finding the right lender to align yourself with, but how important do you think it is to find the right mentor? And, and what should somebody be looking for when pairing up with a mentor in this business? So that's, that's a phenomenal question, by the way. And this, this starts with the mindset of that individual. Like, do I, do I have the openness to hear from different people's perspective and not try to, um, you know, duplicate what they're doing, 
but to grab a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person, a little bit from that person that I feel very comfortable with that I can make my own. The challenge comes when someone is, um, let's say they're, they're a little bit more tenured, more seasoned as a loan officer, they may be doing things in a way that they're not even thinking about what they're doing. So it's hard for someone new to learn from someone what they don't know. First of all, I don't know what I don't know. And then yeah. this person is doing it in a way that is not typical. So you can never duplicate that because that person is so far down the road. That's why it's important to have multiple people to communicate with. And the other thing, this is, this is really important. And I would say before even asking a question of the mentor, try to, do, try to figure out the information yourself first. Try to do your own research, look it up, and then say, listen, this is what I just did. Please tell me if that's correct or not. That's the way to ask the question, not to not do anything, then go in and try to take a shortcut and say, hey, how yeah. do I do this? Yeah. I think that goes back to, you know, you've heard the old adage, like, you can give somebody a fish and they'll eat for a day, but if you teach them to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. And I think we see that a lot. You know, I would say sometimes even in seasoned originators, let's talk about maybe just a a guideline question or an underwriting question or something like that. They they want to just go to the immediate source of the answer instead of learning what the answer is. My personal feeling, and I think, Kim, this is the point you're making, is I'm going to learn and retain if I had to put effort into finding it versus just, boom, somebody just gave me the answer. And I think, you know, I go, we go back and talk about that professionalism that Kim is talking about. You know, t listen, the mortgage market is shifting. Mm -hmm. And um, not just going from refinance to, to primarily purchase, but again, going back to like, this is the first time a lot of us, seasoned or not, are selling in an increasing rate environment in over two years. And it takes a completely different skill set uh, to be able to do that. I, like, I'll give you an example. I, I was with um, a, a loan originator yesterday, and one of the things that, that he was sharing is, and just in the market that we're in, in a buyer's market, you know, you're seeing people um, being in bid, you know, bid over ask situations. All the time, and, yeah. and listen, right now, if you wrote a pre-approval letter that was contingent on the sale of your current primary, that, that pre-approval letter is probably, and that offer are probably not going to get accepted. But what he was talking about was, hey, let's, if you can qualify without it being contingent, let's get you into the new home and then take the net proceeds from the new one and do a one-time payment recast, mm -hmm. right? So with most servicers, you can, you can do a one-time principal reduction and totally recast your payment. A lot of LOs don't know things like that, but that's going to make point. a huge difference you know, for your referral partner and, and for your buyer. And the other tip that he gave was, hey, do you could do a first and a second, right? And so you're, now your first doesn't have MI. And when you get the net proceeds of that sale, pay off the second and boom, move forward, right? And I think that, that's, the, that's the type of I've got to become an expert at this that- You've got to be super creative now. Is yep. going to yep. separate people out. Right over the next couple of months and even even the next it's year. It's not so. just quoting interest rate. Yeah, you've got to yeah. got to be creative. Yeah, Kim, are there any other struggles that that you're seeing? You know, newly licensed originators have. And let me jump in here real quick. We were talking about what a new. You know, if you have a great mentor, right? And oftentimes, like this is what we see in a branch or a mortgage office, somebody that's been in the business, as you mentioned. Um, 
learning from somebody that's that's a seasoned mortgage person mm-hmm. might not always be the best to shadow. Sure. For example, like let's say you're 10 plus years in the business, your week looks entirely different than the rookie. Yes. Um, you know, so if a rookie is coming in and they're sitting outside of your office watching you, your phone is ringing, you're taking care of customers, you've got a massive pipeline or a decent sized pipeline, you know, you may not do some of the activities that a rookie needs to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think sometimes the rookie may may mistake that, hey, that's what my week should look like, mm-hmm. and I'm never going to get there. No, never, yeah. So they're missing the point. That point is to find somebody that's similar to them, that's maybe just a year or two ahead of them, mm-hmm. and say, hey, what are the activities like that I should be doing to get to that guy's seat? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I think that yeah. that's the and the mentor that you you know the leader that you go under, they need to be driving your Monday through Friday and what what each day looks like, what activities yes. that you're pouring in to try to get your phone to ring. You can't sit there and learn guidelines. You got to get out there, kid. So Kim, that's where the hustle comes from. You were talking about that's the hustle, and to and to John's point, by the way, where the other challenge is that people give up too soon, and th- this is not they're getting close, right? Yep, they're, they're so close. They're almost there, but it's it's a mindset. You have to prepare yourself to do this. Let me give you an example, a personal example. So when I got into business, I was 42 years old. I was an old rookie, old rookie loan officer. But I told myself, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm not going to try to challenge uh, people that have already gone down the road that I'm traveling. Uh, so I, I told myself financially, uh, emotionally, mentally, that I'm going to give myself a year. I'm not going to, I'm just not in here for a cup of coffee and say, well, that didn't work out. I'm leaving. Yeah. That's just not how life works. So this is a different business. If you, if you're just in it for, let's just say a paycheck, you're never going to reach your full potential. This is Amen. not what this is about. It's not what it is. It, you think about, and I want people to think about this. When I'm talking to a first time home buyer, I want I want that first time home buyer to understand that I understand. I understand there's tremendous amount of anxiety. There's the unknown. Uh, you're nervous, you're apprehensive, you're excited at the same time. And I wanna let that person know that I promise you, I'm gonna guide you through this process. I'm gonna be your, your advocate, even after you close and I give you the keys and everybody's emotional, I'm gonna be around and available after that to field any questions that you may have. So it's, it's just not about, and this is where the challenge is, but it's not, it's not about a paycheck. It's mm-hmm. not about, hey, yeah, that guy looks like this and that, and, and comparing themselves to other people. It's about, I'm in this business to yeah. help people and change their lives for the better. Yep. Yeah, I used to say, I, I was in a BNI networking group for a number of years when I was originating full-time. And my tagline at BNI was, listen, I help people create quite possibly the largest debt of their entire life. And that's not something we take lightly. That's right? exactly right. Right. And and that's, you know, to, to Kim's point, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to serve you and help you find the best financing option for you and your family. Right. And, and, and doing that, you know, Kim, we, we, we were just talking, you know, Kim and John about activities and, and the hustle part. I can remember being a rookie I got into the business in April of 2007, mm. right? Doesn't make me the smartest cat <laughs> in the world, right? But I had no For idea. about 30, like, I didn't 45 know, days, it you did. know, <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know, and I had no idea what was going on. But what I started to realize was I had entered into a profession that was going to go into the darkest days that we had ever seen, right? And still to this day. 
Um, and I let that get, I let all of that catch up into my emotions, right? And my emotions began to overtake my actions, right? And, um, you know, here I remember I would be glued to the TV like every single day, just watching all of this negative news roll in about the housing market and the financial markets and all of this. And then for me, what it really came down to was one day I just had an epiphany that every single day I was going to do something that was revenue generating. If only for an hour on my calendar, Monday through Friday, every single day I was going to do something that was revenue generating. Yep. Now, let me give clarity to that. Taking a 1003 does not generate revenue. It is the product of the things that you did to generate revenue. Right. Chasing conditions is not revenue generating. Whatever it is, right? Revenue generating is I went out and I met somebody. I started to build a relationship. I talked about how I could add value to them, right? I was building relation, meeting people, building relationships, so on and so forth. When I started doing that, and I'll never forget the day, I like literally got up off my couch I went to my my office and I got out my calendar and I just started putting ideas down and they were recurring. So like every Monday I did X, every Tuesday I did Y, every Wednesday I did Z, so on and so forth. And I will tell you, like I've told a story before, one of the things I started doing, and this was Kim was my sales manager at the time. And he said, um, he, one of the things he, he shared with us was to go out and do broker opens. Well, in my market, broker opens were every Tuesday mm -hmm. from 11 to 1. In all of the years that I originated, I missed broker opens twice. That's how important it was. Yeah, great opportunity. Right. Yep. And so I'm just using that as an example of it, it to that to that rookie, you're saying that their schedule is not going to be the same as their mentor. Yours just needs to be every single day I'm doing something that generates revenue. And I promise you the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. So this week, I'm going to give you an example. So I, I've spoken to several managers, several top managers that, that are great, great producers. Mm -hmm. They're concerned about 2022. To your point about having it scheduled, the activities that they need to have scheduled, um, you need to have it written on a calendar. If it's every Tuesday for the broker open houses, you need to have it, you know, you know it's Tuesday, mm -hmm. but you can't just show up Monday, jump into a file, chase a condition, and then by Thursday this time, you haven't done any anything new to, to generate your yeah. phone to ring or, yeah. or get a lead. Um, you've got to have it written down each day and, and what those specific things are going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kim, there was one other piece of advice that you gave me that I think is probably the number one thing you say to all salespeople. Can you share Can you share with us what that is? Well, one, one thing that I always share is don't put your values of money on other people. Yes. Amen. Th think about that for a second, uh, it, it, whether it comes to the, your perception of buying a car or a house or a certain amount that you're okay with making a monthly payment on. That has nothing to do with the person you're communicating with. What, what you need to do, and this is for everybody, you need to have a defined process that you go through from the first time you say hello to somebody until closing and beyond. Follow that process. That process has to be focused on the customer, not on you, but the customer. Uh, you're the expert, 100%. If you know you're the expert, the real estate agent isn't the expert in mortgages. They all have some knowledge on it. The buyer isn't an expert on mortgages. They can do all the research in the world, but they're not the expert. So everybody's counting on you to provide the information and structure things a certain way that makes sense. To your point uh, earlier, Brian, about uh, the biggest debt they'll ever have, 
that may not be their only debt though. So they have other things going on. They may have kids they're planning for college mm-hmm. and all that the professional a person in the mortgage industry is taking all that into consideration. And much like uh, someone refinancing their home, does it make sense? How long are you going to be in a property? Is there a break even point that doesn't match up with your plans? So the average, you said earlier, the average loan officer doing $4 million a year in volume may not be doing any of the stuff we just talked about, mm-hmm. may not be doing any of it. And it's it, much like any other profession, if, if someone gets a bad taste in their mouth from one person, they'll put a they'll paint the whole entire industry with a broad brush. Yeah. 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 I mean, I love that point. So one of the things I used to do when the, my, when I first would meet with a prospective buyer was to ask what they're comfortable with payment. Mm-hmm. You know, they're renting, assuming now. So what, what are you comfortable with? Never mind your income, because some folks have it. You know, they may qualify for something twice, yes. three times what, you know, what they're comfortable, what they're comfortable with. If they, with, t- yeah. if they say I want to keep it at fifteen hundred, the realtor may say, no, they're qualified for three. They told me their income. Now, well, you've got to listen to the client. Yeah. You know, to Kim's point, and make sure that that's you know you show them a range of homes that, that keep them in that fifteen hundred yeah. range. Yeah. Hey Kim, I was on a um, a Zoom call recently. Somebody, um, a branch manager in the country, who's got an, a number of rookies in their branch that are new. They had asked me to come on and and uh, and just kind of share what some of my experiences were and in getting in, into production and getting into the business from when I got in. And one of the questions that they asked me was. How how do you handle the fact that people know you're new in the business? Oh, that's every everybody's been new at something before. Which what, what you what what I would say is, listen, I'm new, but I put the work in. Uh, I understand this industry inside and out. There's still a lot that I need to learn, but I promise that I will take care of you. And if I don't have the answer, I will get it for you in a timely manner. Wouldn't you prefer someone? saying it like that and sharing information like that than just spitballing. This is yeah. a, one of those, this is one of those businesses where there's zero room for error. Uh, much like, our, think about a heart surgeon. <laughs> yeah, yes. you can be okay 90% of the time. No, no, you, you can't be, you have 100% of the time. Our business, there's so, it's such a ripple effect that happens. You think about how many people are involved with it. You have a, the borrower, the buyer, they're working with a real estate agent. They may be buying a home that someone's selling to buy another home that someone else is selling. If this one transaction doesn't go right, all those other things in a line won't work out well. We've got people that are gonna do the appraisal, uh, property inspection. All these people have something to do with this one single transaction. Mm-hmm. So this is a zero error business. We cannot make any errors. And the people that limit them and don't make them and don't cause any, any heartache or rubs are the true professionals. They know what they need. They know what they're doing. They understand the industry. They understand the challenges. They understand if someone can provide a down payment assistance to you for crying out loud, there's some loans that won't allow someone to give you a gift average person that doesn't have the appetite for learning know that the answer is probably no yeah i i mean i love that so if you're a rookie listening or thinking about getting into the business i think it's important like you don't want to hit the street and it goes back when i started with gmac mortgage years ago right we were rookies and we didn't have a lot of training so if you if you're able to go through a a series of getting trained before hitting the street 
you're not going to seem like a rookie. Even though you're a rookie, yeah. you're going to have the knowledge. You're going to know enough. And, and they used to say, if you know a little bit more than the realtors, they're not going to sense that you're a rookie. I mean, unless you're a kid right out of, right out of college and you look like mm -hmm. it's your first job. Yeah. But it reminds me back of they sent us out in the street. We didn't have a whole lot of training. It was, kid, there's your desk. Go get them. And I was reading guidelines. And the guy next to me was like, forget the guidelines. I'm going and selling. Right? I mean, he just, <laughs> you know, so I, I, was sitting, I was sitting with my underwriters and my processors trying to figure out enough what, what a ratio was and all yes. that stuff. This guy came hustling back in the very next month. He's like, I, I have eight loans. The realtors love me, man. It's a million five in my pipeline. We're talking years ago. Yeah. I've got nothing. I'm trying to figure out how to qualify a borrower, yeah. right? Yeah. Literally every deal fell apart. Our manager comes out, grabs the loans, right? The old manila folders opens up, right? And he yes. goes, Mike, he goes, None of these qualify. I mean, it's like, so now he has to make the call to the realtor. Yes. He's hustled to get the deal. I mean, he had to leave. The, it was it was back in Massachusetts. He goes, well, I can't originate there ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you wouldn't go in. You, you know, you're not going to be a doctor. You're not going to yes. operate until you're trained. So, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about, about Kim? Segue into the important part of your, you know, your phase training and why it's so important for a rookie. Yeah. So, like, for example, here at Zenix, so, and, and by the way, there's training, phenomenal training companies out there. Everybody has a place. It really depends on what somebody's looking for, right? So what we have is what I consider holistic, comprehensive training. And this is to get people, let's say someone doesn't know how to spell mortgage, right? They don't know there's a T and two Gs in there. And by the way, a lot of people are like that. Yep. Uh, let's just say for the sake of discussion, doesn't know anything about mortgages, but they want to learn and they want to get after it. And they want to do it, for, especially for the sales manager. They want someone to get someone up and running quickly. A lot of mortgage companies shy away from new people because they think if they bring in seasoned people, they'll have an immediate impact. Those people sometimes come with some baggage though, right? There's some yeah. other things that can come along with that. So someone new uh, and engaged with it is called originator program. So there's three phases. The first phase is the foundational information. You know, have someone use a calculator to convert fractions into decimals, right? Because we use we use eighths, right? So yeah. if, if someone says five eighths, we don't want someone to think 0.58. We want them to think 0.625, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is, the, and we know that technology takes care of it. However, you have to understand the why behind the what that you're doing. Yeah. You're not going to have your computer booted up when you're eating in a restaurant and someone in the next booth says, I'm thinking about buying a house, but I don't know how much I can buy. Well, if I'm sitting in the next booth, I have this in, in my hand, the iPhone, That's good. right? So, yeah. um, so we teach all the foundational information, um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, we teach the nine parts of an appraisal. We talk about automated underwriting with DU and LP. And all this is done in a chronological systematic way to get them to understand the foundational information. So that takes three weeks if they're doing it full-time, eight hours a day. So that's three weeks. The second phase is what we call officer school. So officer school is two weeks. It's in line with uh, what the, the branch is doing, where whatever mortgage company they're doing, we're gonna run them through case studies. There are 25 case studies. It starts with something really vanilla. Someone has an 800 credit score. They've been on their job 10 years. They make $500,000 a year. We need pay stubs, W-2s, and a couple of months of you know, bank statements. That's, That's it. Good. That would be nice. By right? the time yeah. they get to the 25th case study, the, the wife is self-employed. The husband has a base pay, and then he's got commissions and bonuses. They've and got he also filed bankruptcy. <laughs> so 
And then they've got investment properties they're getting income from. So it's really complex. They've got some bruises on their credit report. So, and then that works in, in line with the, the companies, with their, their, their technology, their POS system, whatever they're using, how to get them uh, involved with their culture in their office. And so that's five weeks. Okay. okay. The third phase is called officer school. Officer school, they're in the field. So that first 30 days in the field, uh, instead of just running through it eight hours a day, they're, they're a class every Monday. And the entire time, by the way, we're holding them accountable. It's a performance program. They're assigned a performance specialist. If they're having any challenges, the performance specialist steps in. They identify the area where there's an opportunity for improvement to make the content sticky. It's not, it's not about just passing, you know, going through a safe and then passing their exam. It's not like that. It's, it's like we want them to retain the information to be productive and add value to the company right away. So that third phase, on average, people are producing five loans a month. That's an application with a property. So that's, that's a timeline that people can have in their head if they go through professional development. Mm -hmm. If you're like going to a company, that's why I say you got to pick a company wisely. If you go to a company, to John's point earlier, and they say, hey, here's a rate sheet, go get them, Tiger. If you come across anything, let me know and I'll talk you through it. That's not how the real world works. People yep. can lose a lot of credibility doing that. And, and a lot of folks, unfortunately, get, get into the business and go, you know, go down that avenue. And it, it, that's why we have a high rate of turnover, yep. right? To the point is you've got to take at least a year, I say sometimes up to two, without training. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to get into the business or you're a manager looking to grow a team and you're hiring rookies, mm -hmm. you've got to find a way to get them fast-tracked yes. into production. Yeah. I, I think a couple things I like about this program. One, I've always felt like if you're not actively doing loans, you're kind of getting left behind. Right. Like this isn't something you can just do every now and again. So right. like I love the 25 case studies because you're actively like you don't have any deals at the time, but you're actively working some deals that you can work on and practice with. And then I think, you know, the other thing I'm going to say is like, Kim, did I hear you say after all of that training, they have an average of five, like people who graduate have an average of five deals in their pipeline? 100%. That, that first 30 days in the field, they have five loans. That's on, that's on average. This, this okay. obviously there's a lot more than that. And I'm kind of being conservative with the number because I don't want to oversell it. <laughs> so, yeah. So if they're, if their average is five, like, how can you not afford to you do You can't this? afford not to do it. I mean, even if, you know, as a company, you can't afford to hire a rookie and not have something like this to offer them mm -hmm. because I, well, you know how I feel, right? I do not, you know, I don't like to bring on rookies. My, my, my MO is I scare them away from this business. I want to see how hungry they are and how you know how willing they are to and tenacious to go through it. I yeah. do not. I don't. I don't want to paint a you know bed of roses. You know, I saw my buddy. He's he he comes and goes. I see him golfing on Friday. Yeah. He's driving a you know Mercedes. Everything's good. I want to get in that business. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to paint the picture that the first year, just like real estate, is extremely difficult. Yeah. And you've got to pour to your point part time. No. You, it's it, it's a grind. It's it's eight to five at minimum, and answering phones on you know at night mm -hmm. and, and on weekends. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that type of job. And even you know, well into your career, even when you're established, you better be doing that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, I go back to the conversation we were having about you know, I, I came to that point one day where I was like, every single day is going to be something revenue generating. Well, when my pipeline wasn't full, I might spend half my day doing something that's revenue generating. When it got full. It gets to like maybe one hour a day, mm -hmm. but that that principle of I'm going to do something revenue generating every single day never went away. By the way, in the role that I have right now with the company we're at, 
it's it's still alive. I do something every single day that generates revenue. Yep, hundred percent. The other thing that I would I would add is this, and when I'm when I'm looking for people to to work with, what I look for is someone. First of all, in my interview process, one of the last things I say is, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be a right the right job for you. I just I just don't see it. I don't want them to accept that. I don't want yes, them to correct. say, oh, okay. I want them to say, well, hold on a second. I, I, I believe I will. And I want them to not challenge me, but you know what I mean? I don't want them to lay down and say, okay, well, I'll try somebody else. Yeah. Because that tells me something about their work ethic and how they view themselves, right? So that's that part. The other part is, and I know I talk about being customer focused and thinking about the customer, but part of that, it has to be just who you are too as a person. So uh, we, we work at an address. We live at an address, but that doesn't make us part of a community. So in order to be part of the community, you got to be into the community. You got to be out there. So that that involves volunteering, yep. doing things for other people. Then you don't have an expectation of having anything in return. You're doing it for the right reasons. And at the same time, people are saying that's a good woman or that's a good man. And the secondary part of that is you're going to get business because of it. Yes. Yeah, so, yep. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel about volunteering. You can do something add value to people that you're already good at. And we all have uh, you know, personal challenges in life. We've gone through it. There are other people that are going through it right now that think that they cannot get through it. They need people like us to, to have conversations with them and, and make a difference. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, I was going to ask you if there was anything else you wanted to add, but you absolutely hit a home run with that. Yeah. Let, let me jump in here. Is in addition to sales, like your company does d- does offer training for somebody looking for operations as well. Let's say that hundred percent. So, yeah. So we do uh, operations, whether it's uh, processes or underwriters, uh, a lot of sales management, leadership training, uh, because a lot of times, like you guys are obviously you 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 believe in the the mortgage industry. You believe in your company. There's a lot of people that. Um, just, you know, like we're talking about all this stuff. Someone, someone literally, someone who's going to listen to say, don't worry about that. Let me just show you what to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just really, so uh, they're not really, I'm, I'm just going to say, they're not really thinking about the customer. They're thinking about their pocket is what they're sure. thinking about. They're thinking about taking shortcuts. There's an yeah. easier way to do it. There's no, listen, the road to easy street goes through the sewer. You got to go through the sewer to be the pro. You got to go through the challenges to be a pro. You can't, it's no easy street here. hundred percent. Yeah. I will attest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it, it, it was in you know, the first year, year and a half for me, it was, it, it was that roller coaster and yeah. that's what you've got to fight through, you know, building enough back end in your pipeline that mm-hmm. you just, you know, you're closing every month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's cool. Well, Kim, and I appreciate you, you joining on with us and uh, dude, you dropped some major bombs. I know uh, folks are going to listen to this or are going to have a lot of takeaways. I just want to say thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I want you to know, though, whether it's John, whether it's Kim, or whether it's me, if there's anything that you need, we're always here to serve. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.